0: Hi everyone, this is Yin, and welcome to Growth From Failure. I wanted to create this show to highlight extraordinary people that inspire and motivate me to level up, but with a slight twist. I'll have conversations with people from a variety of professions, from investors to entrepreneurs to educators to athletes, because I enjoy hearing a really good success story from any discipline. But I wanted to view their story more through a lens of struggle or hardship and even failure, because for me, the biggest lessons learned and opportunities to grow aren't from the wins or triumphs, but from the setbacks and defeat. So instead of reviewing their highlight reel with all the success and accomplishments, we'll talk about some of the bloopers that includes the mistakes and the rocky roads, which can be glossed over, but oftentimes more impactful to their mindset and success. I hope hearing their journey inspires you to not fear failing, but motivates you to reflect, to keep learning, And ultimately, to keep growing. This is the story of Anne Wing Oliver. In this episode, we cover Anne's journey from Vietnam to California. Now, she had lost her parents at a younger age and was left alone in the country without any money, without a home, without any support. Her story is beyond inspirational to me, not only for her passion and her perseverance to build her own product and company in the extraordinarily successful House of M beauty brand, but it's the gratitude and appreciation for how lucky she is and the story. It's truly a miracle. Please enjoy this interview with the incredibly inspiring Anne Wing Oliver. Hi, Anne. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk all about beauty products, House of M, all the things you've built. But before we talk about the incredible products that you have created, can we rewind your long highlight reel all the way back and share with our listeners where you grew up?
1: Yes, I was born and raised in Vietnam. Grew up in Saigon, the southern part of Vietnam. In a traditional Vietnamese family, my mom was a tailor and my dad He works at a company and I have an older brother and myself. Great. And so when did you guys come over? I came here for school at 15 years old. My parents spent their entire life basically saving to send both of their kids here for school. Do you remember looking forward to that, getting excited? Because my parents grew up in
0: Vietnam also. Yes, you want to make it to America versus some kids actually wanted to stay closer to home. It's what
1: they knew. But what were your thoughts? Oh, I was extremely excited. My brother arrived here first. My brother left when I was in third grade, and he also came here on a student visa. And so I was just so excited and waiting for my term every year. And so I didn't really care that I would leave home. I was just the thought of going to America has been the only thing that I dreamed of. And not only that, growing up, my dad told me that America is the land of opportunity. And when you get here, whatever you do, it will like all of your dreams will come true if you work hard enough. I believe that. And I believe it for years and years and years. And I still do. So by the time that it was my turn, I was so excited. I hop on the plane and I didn't even think that it's going to take me another year before I can see my mom again. <laughs> Until like a month later at 10 and I started missing my mom a lot. Oh, and so how old were you and what year did you come over? I was 15 and that was 2010. It's interesting. Was it hard for you to come over? Yes and no. The interview process was very by chance. And that's another thing with luck is that you could have the perfect resume and paperwork and everything in order and they could just say no and not grant you a visa. So when you came over, you mentioned that you didn't see your mom for about a year. So you joined your
0: brother. Was your dad already here?
1: My dad passed before I came here. So my dad passed when I was 14 and I spent the last year in Vietnam with my mom with just two of us. And then I left.
0: So then when you went, it was just you and your brother alone without your parents, without your mom.
1: Yes. Yes. So my brother was here and he had a wife and they had a kid together. So I was going to school and then babysitting. (laughs) after an
0: hour. (laughs) What part of the country did you live?
1: California in Orange County. I never left. I loved it here. How did you
0: guys find the OC from Saigon?
1: I guess it's always a known thing that this is a Vietnamese paradise. Our goal was when we come here, we would stay here.
0: Amazing. So fast forward 13 years, you're in Orange County, and I can't wait to talk more about that. But what was it like when you transitioned over? You were 15, you didn't have parents with you. Here's your brother, but he has his own kind of separate life with his own nuclear family
1: that he created. What
0: did you do? This was high school for you then?
1: Yes, I came here at a sophomore year. The culture shock was a lot at first. And even though I start learning English when I was four, what I've learned didn't really apply. So I constantly had to look up on the dictionary. The first year, I literally carry a dictionary with me everywhere I go. And just to form a sentence, it took me a few months just to be able to be in a conversation. That was very interesting. I went to an all-girl Catholic school. And the school is very, very small compared to what I was used to in Vietnam. There were less than 200 kids in the entire high school. It was very interesting. And so what was high school like, really just alone? Of course, there's some really great memories, but there's also some memories that's not good. Being an international student, I was one of two international students by the time I arrived. So there were a lot of us at the school. And so the difference in culture and... Yeah, there's some kids that are not nice, but there's some great friends too.
0: Amazing. And in our prior conversation, you had mentioned that both your parents passed when you were really young. So your dad passed away when you were 14. What about your mom?
1: My mom passed when I was 19. So after I graduated high school and after that, she passed. Had she joined you yet in the States? No, no. She passed in Vietnam. During the time that she was sick, my junior and senior year, my brother relocated to to Vietnam to take care of my mom. So I was here alone by myself. How did that go? How did you feel about it? scary at first, but didn't really have time to be scared. You just have to buckle up and go with it. So survival mode, I just did what I had to do. Amazing. And so usually
0: in an interview, I talk a lot from childhood and then I fast forward to college because I'm so curious how people choose the college they went to, why they went to that college. And it seems like it sets you off in this path in your 20s. That's this defining decade, both personally and professionally of all the people you meet and all the things you do for you. What was it like after high school? What What did you do with college?
1: I didn't go to college. I lost the financial support. I practically lost everything. So thank goodness during that summer, I started working at a fall restaurant and I built a really good relationship with the owner there. She's very nice. So when I lost the financial support and I needed the fund to go rent my own room, my own place to stay, the owner of the restaurant helped me. I didn't get to go to college.
0: Can you share more about that? So here you are, you're in high school. What financial support was there? Was it from your parents? Just to describe that in terms of that transition.
1: Yes, it was from my parents. And when they were gone, then it's gone. So I was stuck here and without the support and I didn't have a place to stay. And of course, I couldn't go to school. And I was basically on my own. And you had mentioned that you were homeless at some point. When was that? around the same time, for a few weeks so that I could look for a place to rent and to stay. Where did you stay? I stayed at a friend's house. Incredible.
0: You made an amazing relationship at a fellow restaurant.
1: What next? So after that, I started working at an optometry office for a long time. And there I learned so much. The sales skills, I learned tradition in the Korean culture because the the owners are Korean and yeah, a lot of aspects I get to learn early on in life.
0: Okay, so pho first, then optometry. I haven't heard yet the entrepreneurial bug, but I'm curious and I'm sure we'll get to it. Unless <laughs> you see, see it, Faux restaurant, optometry. At what point did the idea of skincare or entrepreneurship enter your, the picture?
1: I've always loved beauty. Growing up in Vietnam, I remember when our family got internet and I discovered YouTube and Michelle Phan. And I was like, oh, my goodness, somebody that looked like me with the last name I could recognize. And what is she's doing? Like she's applying makeup and she looks so beautiful, you know, and I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is so fun. So every single day after school, I would come home and watch Michelle Phan on repeat. Doesn't really matter. So I've always loved beauty. And when I got here, I remember any money I saved up, I would save just to buy a lipstick, just to buy a new eyeshadow palette. And it's always been a passion of mine. I've always loved collected makeup and skincare products. I never thought I would start my own thing, though. And so during that time, I met my now husband and he wanted to chase history, which is building classic VW cars for a living. I was like, you know what? Go for it. You quit your job. I will have this admin work that be enough to pay for rent and bills. And so he started with rebuilding motors because we didn't have enough at the time. So we bought a broken down motor for like $500, rebuild it, resell it, and slowly we building up to then I could quit my job and start helping him. So when I helped him, I started helping with the planning, the finance, taking photos and just the marketing side of it. We grew that for a few years and the idea of owning my own thing actually happened when I went through postpartum depression because that was the time I realized that being a mom is not enough. Being a supportive partner is not enough for me and I really need to chase my dream now or else... I'm going to regret it forever. So that was the push. I love it. I'm
0: in a Mark Manson kick at the moment. He's the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F. I loved the book, but also this interview he mentioned about the three characteristics of happiness and the framework behind it. And there are three simple questions, but one is how you treat your body, kind of the health and wellness. The second part was who you do Things with whether it's your personal ecosystem, your professional ecosystem. But the third one that really resonated with me is what project or body of work are you working on that fulfills you, that gives you the sense of fulfillment, kind of that dopamine check? And for you, it sounds like it was that third. You had a wonderful marriage and the kids, but that progression, that ownership seems to be something that entrepreneurs really need to have. So for you, where did the idea of saffron come about? That's the component that is like the magic ingredient in all your products. I had never heard about saffron in any skincare product before until House of M. So how did that work? What was the inception of the idea?
1: So like I mentioned, I went through postpartum depression and that was with my first baby at the time in 2017. And I was struggling for a while. I went to see a doctor and my doctor recommended to be on medication. And I was breastfeeding my son at the time still. And I didn't really want to give that up. So I asked for a more natural alternative and he recommended medicinal saffron. And growing up in the Vietnamese culture, I didn't know what saffron was. So I did some research and saffron, when you consume it, it actually helps you to sleep better. It ease your anxiety, is a natural mood enhancer. And so I tried it and it actually worked for me. And so throughout the time that I did some research, saffron is also a very great ingredient in skincare. It's high in antioxidants, which protect your skin cells. It's also high in anti-inflammatory and antibacterial, which can help to calm and soothe any inflammation. And then it's also high in vitamin C, which is a natural brightener active ingredient. After giving birth, your skin becomes very sensitive And you also develop melasma. And that is also another struggle that I was dealing with. And nothing on the market helped. The product for sensitive skin only calm and soothe. And the product for dark spots would be way too harsh for my skin. And so almost feel like everything happens for a reason. And that's why it's another thing about luck and miracles and, and all of it. When it happens everything will align and everything will feel so right. And it's now up to you to decide to chase it or not.
0: I love it. It reminds me of the quote you mentioned about your dad and how he's like, if you could dream it, you can do it. But going back to postpartum depression, here you are. I know saffron as an ingredient in foods and my mom drinks it for tea. At what point did you say, hmm, this is great. I'm gonna put it in skincare. Or <laughs> like how did you just in the research you discovered all the properties and then had that aha moment?
1: Yes. It was through the research and I was just so fascinated with this ingredient. And some sometimes growing up in Vietnam, our ingredient is turmeric. And it's almost like we're numb to it. We're like, oh, that's cool, but whatever. <laughs> like that it's so new and exciting. And I'm like, oh, it actually worked for me. What else can I use this for? The curiosity side of my brain kicked in. And that was how I discovered the skincare benefits of it. And being such a lover for the beauty world, I was like, you know what? People need to know about this because I can't stop talking about it with my husband. And I was like, did you know that I can do this and that? That is amazing. And
0: so did you start putting it in creams and lotions and directly applying it to your face? Or what was the beta, beta products?
1: So I look up how to do like a saffron mask. And so like you could soak it in hot water or milk and then you just drop those sheet mask drops and it will expand into like a sheet and then you put it on your face. And after I do it, I notice that my skin just instantly calmer, especially when my cheeks get red very easily. And so even just that alone, you can already see the effects of it. What if you extract it and formulate it properly? Amazing. And listeners can't see, but... And skin
0: is perfection. Like there's no pores. It's just so perfect. You had me at melasma. And so it's one of those things that House of M's products, and there's a, su- a suite of them now, but your serum is the one that's the best seller. And that was the first product, right? Yes. So this idea that you couldn't stop talking about, how then was it created from idea to actually bottling and selling? Like, what was that process like?
1: I wanted to create something for me and fulfilling a need in the market. And I know there's other people like that out there that share the same struggle with me. So I wanted to create a gentle brightening serum for sensitive skin people, for postpartum skin, and that actually works. And so I shared this idea that I have with my husband, and he told me to use our saving to work on this project. And we have X amount, so that's what we have. And I was like, No, you're nuts. Like we we saved up for years for this. This was supposed to be for our down payment for our first home. What if I lose it all? And he was like, you know, when we got together we had nothing. We can always build again. Like at least now we had something to start saving again if you lose it all. So I was like, Okay, that sounds cool. Let's do it. I love it. What well, I mean, it's interesting because you supported him for
0: so many years of being supportive of the idea and then also his partner. But I love how complimentary you guys are and just saying, you do you. And oh, that is amazing. Those are relationship goals right there.
1: Yes, I think we're very fortunate in that way. We get to support one another and we're both crazy. When we see possibilities, then it's not going to be possible, you know? So that's how our brain works. <laughs> one quote, I forget
0: who said it, but all entrepreneurs have a little bit of crazy in them, otherwise then they wouldn't be an entrepreneur and they wouldn't go down this path. Because if you, in hindsight, looked at how hard it was to do, you probably wouldn't do it. You need a little bit of of, uh, that craziness. So when you started this idea a few years ago, after your first son was born, you said six years ago, when did you actually create the product?
1: So that was around the same time that I started doing research. And I am a firm believer of doing research is free and you can just put in the time Google it until you have the fun to press the button and buy it basically. And I tell my husband that all the time. So, you know, I start doing research and finding a chemist and start talking to chemists already. And this was from the time that I was just so obsessed with this ingredient. And I want to figure out if I could make something. And so the first people to go to are chemists. And so I already did all of those conversations early on. And that was when we we as an I, narrowed down to the chemists that I really wanted to work with. And so I shared basically everything of what I wanted to create. And then the conversation of the funding happened. And that was when I I pressed by and I started working on the project.
0: (laughs) Incredible. Now, I'm so curious in this research process. So you had it for medicinal purposes, and it helped you with the postpartum depression, got your mindset more positive. How did you research the skincare application. Because I've tried probably the whole counter of Ulta and Sephora on my face. I'm in my mid-40s. And so if you mention anything as a claim, I will try it because anything that helps me age better, I would try. Saffron, I know, as a cooking ingredient, it's interesting because it's colorful and it adds a really beautiful kind of orange hue to foods. How did you use that and say, oh, no, this is actually a skin brightener? Like, how does that work in the research process? Is there a three-month period, six-month period to see the actual results?
1: Yeah, saffron in cooking is actually different than the medicinal quality saffron. That was the one thing that my doctor recommended. No, oh, And he specifically said to find the medicinal quality saffron because it is more potent in everything. The saffron in cooking only gives the aroma and the color without the nutritional benefits. So knowing that it works for me and found the quality that it works for me, During that time that I was just googling at night, you know, when I was bored and putting my son down for a sleep already, and I was like, "Oh, what else can it do?" And that was just Google. Like Google is your best friend (laughs) in the early days, and so that was the inspiration for the idea. And it took a lot of trial and error, of course, developing the formulas until we nailed down the final formula that we have today.
0: Incredible! Can you review the products that House of M carries today?
1: So we have our Saffron Miracle Serum, which is a gentle brightening serum, and they'll have a night moisturizer, and it's like a sleeping mask. It helps to instantly plump your skin. It helps with fine lines. We have a powder exfoliant with saffron powder in it, and it's a gentle physical, but also plant-based chemical exfoliant. And saffron powder in there is to help soothe and calm any inflammation if you overexfoliate. And then we just launched our saffron sheet mask, and that's an instant calm and soothe sheet mask, but also give you the most beautiful glow and brightening effect. And yeah, so those are the four products that we have today.
0: I think it was the sheet mask that first crossed my radar because someone online had put it on incorrectly and then just made a joke out of it. But it was so funny to me. So anyways, <laughs> yeah. and then I double clicked on what is House of Am and went down the rabbit hole. And in reading the reviews of the serum, the first product, it was mind blowing the results that people had mentioned. And it was just one of those. I'm like, OK, I need to try this. And so yeah, I think that's how people find most things. is just one review after another. But these were, I mean, no pun intended, glowing, glowing reviews. How many months or years did it take you to create the serum?
1: So from the time that I did my research to the time that we launched, it took us almost two years.
0: Okay. And is that fast in the world of skincare production?
1: I'm not sure. There could be faster. If you go to the factory and they already own the formula and you just want to tweak it a little bit, that's definitely going to be faster. You can get the product out to market less than a year, but then I don't want it to do that. I want to own all of our formulas. That's very important to me. I also wanted to provide the manufacturers with our raw material, saffron. Then we can control the quality of saffron. So that's another thing that most factories don't do. And that entire process definitely takes longer.
0: And I noticed what's interesting about House of M products, you don't manufacture it in the States. You actually do it in France. Uh, Why did you choose France?
1: Because European countries, they have the strictest standards when it comes to cosmetics. And when I built House of M in the beginning, I already have in mind that we will go international. And just from hearing stories and listening to podcasts and a lot of beauty founders share with on the podcast that by the time that they get into Europe, they have to reformulate a few of their bestseller products. Because manufacturers here use ingredients that are banned in Europe. That is a whole headache in itself. You could lose customers. The formula change at the end of the day. So knowing that, I was like, okay, I'm going to do everything right so that I don't have to deal with a headache later on. That was, has always been my thing.
0: I love it. Given the relatively short period of time that House of Emma has created, I recently saw, maybe in the last just couple days, this amazing collaboration and event that House of M Beauty did with Lamborghini. And it's like talking about the rise of this brand in a very short period of time. How did you grow it in, in a world where there's so many products, so many competitors? How did you grow it to the brand it is today in such a short time period? Like who were your first buyers, consumers, customers?
1: I would say even though the beauty market is so saturated, there's always a problem to be solved. The one thing is that you have to know the market good enough to identify the problem and then to also try a lot of products on the market to create something to fix a problem, but also unique, providing the customer something that they have never experienced before. And we'll always be able to grow with just word of mouth. So we don't really do big marketing campaigns like ad campaigns. We don't do paid advertisement because, frankly, as a small brand, we don't have that kind of budget to pay $100,000 for a post. That just doesn't feel authentic to me. And so in the beginning, I started within the Vietnamese community. Being a Vietnamese immigrant, I felt most comfortable there. And I would post on Facebook groups, Vietnamese Facebook groups, and people use those groups to literally post anything and everything. And so I describe this as opportunities to make extra incomes for nail salon owners and spa owners. And that was how we started. I I know that we have to push out the inventory quickly because cosmetics has an expiration date. So I couldn't sell it one by one. So I had to really think of a wholesale strategy. Incredible.
0: I don't know if there's a stronger wholesale community than Vietnamese women in a nail salon because you really have (laughs) so much growth there. And how would it work? So you'd give Southern California, Orange County specifically, some House of M serum and say, okay, you have six months to sell this
1: and we'll do a revenue share? Or how did that work? So the Facebook groups online, it's like everywhere. People from all over the states can post and can see the ads. So we would have distributors from Delaware, from Virginia, from Florida and Michigan and all the way over here. So they have a minimum buy-in. So the minimum is back then 25 bottles of serum. And I remember... Every single time I sell that, it would come out to be roughly $1,500. And it would be like a great, exciting moment for me. And so they would purchase the inventory. They would pay up front and we ship out the product. So that way, we be able to sustain the growth with the wholesale margin, which is very important now that we're working with retailers.
0: Now, one thing is people can do the quick math, but it's roughly at wholesale pricing about $60 a bottle, which is not cheap. How does the pricing get vectored in it? Is saffron, medicinal saffron, a really expensive ingredient?
1: Yes, it is. And also making the products in France costs a lot. All of the testing that we do costs a lot in France and just everything when it comes to that process. Yeah.
0: As they started selling to wholesale, I'm sure you started getting all the positive and glowing reviews. What were those like? I mean, you had seen that firsthand on your own skin and the kind of trials with your personal friends. But what was some of the
1: comments that you got back? It's interesting because within the Vietnamese community, we don't comment. We don't like we don't share reviews on social media. We just quietly look at things and we buy and we hear from our friends. So, the reviews for the first like two years, I remember on our social media presence was very minimal, but I would hear people talking on the phone with me like, "Oh my God, you're not gonna believe it." Like a customer of mine came back to get their nails redone, and they're raving about the serum and this and that i'm like I hear that ever it makes me so happy, but I'm like, we need that online. <laughs> it was nowhere to be found." <laughs> But slowly, eventually, we build a community online.
0: (laughs) That is incredible. Can you share or know the stat of how many nail salons now carry House of M products?
1: So we have just shy under 100 wholesale accounts throughout the country. That's incredible. I
0: mean, the amount of growth just from not that 100 is not a significant number, but it's a relatively small number when you think about all the Big box retailers that you're up against, and so kudos to the people just word of mouth and the praise, but it really goes to the quality of the product, then because for many of my listeners they are Asian, I know, and then also certainly Vietnamese, but we know how discerning at least our Vietnamese community is with food, and so I can only imagine how critical it is with skincare, and so I am not surprised of the growth of it because of the quality of the product.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That was the reason why I wanted to do it right in the beginning. Like I wanted to make the best possible product. So. There's nothing people can knock it down. I mean, of course, skincare is very personal and it doesn't work for everyone, but I really wanted to like mitigate all the potential.
0: (laughs) And so from Nail Salon to Nordstrom and beyond, one thing that's amazing is you did get it into a big retailer. What was that process
1: like? It was like an emotional roller coaster, I would say. Because in the beginning, it was just me doing it with my team. We had no experience with retailers before. And it was actually the first year we exhibited at Cosmo Prof in Las Vegas. It's actually the biggest beauty trade shows in North America. And a few days prior, we got an email that the Nordstrom buyer want to set up a one-on-one meeting with us at that trade show. So the trip was an adventure in itself. I don't think I share with you yet, but our car literally broke down in the middle of the desert (laughs) and I had my two months old. Amelia was two months old then and I had my four-year-old and we scrambled to get a, a rental to go to Vegas. But anyway, long story short, that was where we met. Nordstrom Bayer. And yeah, that
0: is incredible. What's interesting is I remember in our prior conversation, you had mentioned speaking about the name of the show and failing and struggling that the first interview or first process for Nordstrom, although it was a great one and it progressed to more meetings, but that they didn't pick up House of M initially. So can you share that struggle?
1: Oh, yeah. I think the process was, okay, you sent in the samples. The buyer loves it. The buyer sent it to their boss. Their boss approved it. Everything was great. We signed contract. Beautiful. And we were just waiting for a launch date. And it kept being pushed back, pushed back. And the last time they got pushed back, it was like, our Q2 financial is not looking good. We don't know if we're going to pick you up. That's it. There's no, oh, okay, there will be like a fall or whatever. So basically they just put us on the show until God knows when. And that crushed me. That was probably the one of the hardest times on this journey. And I start losing hope. And that was painful. But at the end of the day, you know, I kept going because I know if I quit, I would still do the exact same thing I'm doing right now anyway. That's another thing about chasing your passion is that when times get really, really tough, it's going to help you. Because I don't know if I would continue if this was not my passion.
0: Absolutely. And the beautiful part is you had mentioned that that rejection then actually was quite positive because it helped you learn for the full year. How did it help you for those who didn't hear that story?
1: During that time, it was actually a good thing that we didn't launch in the spring. And so around that time, I just had this gut feeling that, okay, even though this not happening now, I still need to reinvest in uh, inventory. I really need to order more, like something big is coming. Like all of this movement is not happening by coincidence or something we need to prepare for. And so we did invest a whole lot in inventory. And that actually helped us out because by the time we launched in the fall, we went live in September and they bought inventory throughout the holidays and we sold out within 30 days. And if we didn't order a lot of inventory, we wouldn't be able to fulfill the next purchase order. And so that is actually a blessing.
0: Absolutely. And no, I remember the first time I heard about the brand, then I went to the website, tried to order it on Nordstrom and it was sold out. I'm like, oh gosh. And so thankfully it's restocked, but it's just the popularity of it was amazing. Maybe one last question before I move to the signature questions I ask everybody, what does M mean in House of M?
1: M is for miracles. That is a personal tribute to my journey. Everything happens throughout my life that I couldn't really explain. And that's not really a coincidence. It's not really luck. It's a miracle that I get to do this from where I started. And there are a lot of little miracles happen along the way. The people that I meet and even the Lamborghini collaboration, that was a lot of miracles. So yeah, that's what it means. I love that so
0: much. I knew what it was, but I wanted our listeners to hear just because one, it's beautiful. And I think The second part is being an immigrant, you have so much more gratitude for many things, just luck in life of where you are, where you're born, where you end up. And so to infuse that in your product, it gives me chills because it is really a miracle in so many ways of why we're here. And so I love that you are grateful and incorporate that in your brand. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: I'll make sure to link the website and where people can buy House of M products on the show notes. But maybe I'll pivot to the normal questions I ask people, starting with who or what inspires you?
1: I would say working moms, women entrepreneurs, especially minority women. We struggle so much more. So I take inspiration from anybody and everybody that I run across. Yeah.
0: Did you have a mentor or role model growing up? I mean, your parents passed away at such a young age. You did this on your own. Your husband has an entrepreneurial bug too, but who was your mentor or role model, if you had any?
1: In the beginning, when I started within the Vietnamese community, there was this one singer that tried our product, loved it. And then she started just helping and gifting our products to all of her singer friends. And that was unheard of. <laughs> and so she was my first mentors and just helping because she loves our brand so much. And then I met a mentor at Cosmoprop, actually. Her name is Margarita. And she used to be the chief merchant at Sephora for 16 years. And when she came across our booth and saw our product and listening to my journey, she really wanted to help. And so she's still my mentor to this day. Of course, there are a lot of people along the way that help. And they're all my mentors, even just a little advice to big ones. I keep saying it to people that I didn't get to go to college. So I will take free information wherever I go, (laughs) whoever want to give it to me.
0: That's amazing. Well, it's also one thing to get free education, but two, it's to seek it out. And it seems like you're such a curious, hungry individual for more knowledge and education. So I could see why people find you magnetic to say like here and and are happy to share with you. I love that. You have two beautiful children. You've created an amazing brand in like a handful of years. What are you most proud of?
1: I would say number one is raising my children and just watching them grow every day. That's my most pride possession. (laughs) And second would be when we launch at Nordstrom. That was a big milestone for us because we are the first Vietnamese owned skincare brand to be in a big retailer, a national retailer. I would say the next thing is just recently the Lamborghini collaboration. That was insane. I can't wrap my head around it still. It's only happened for a few days ago and I am still feeling like I'm living in a dream and (laughs)
0: Well, the pictures and videos I've seen alone, I mean, it was just a beautiful event and everyone had glowing skin thanks to your products. One question I really enjoyed asking people more recently is about success. And I'd love to hear your thoughts because all the entrepreneurs and the other guests just have a really beautiful answer to this. And so I'll ask, what does success
1: mean for you? I would say it's the joy that I get to do every day. Success is not really a destination because if you're hoping that, oh, okay, when we launch Nordstrom, that's successful to me. And that's when I'm going to celebrate. It doesn't really last long. <laughs> and so every single day, like if I have a really good day, and also too, when you seek out the positive things that happen in your day, it will help you to move forward just easier. and And so with that, when I'm at work and I have great things happening, And then when I get to go home, I I get to hang out with my kids and cuddle with them and taking care of them. And, And that is joy to me. That's success to me. Beautiful. I love that.
0: It's given the name of the show, I always like to incorporate people's stories of struggle and hardship and certainly failure for you. There's as a life of an entrepreneur, definitely that embedded into it. But you've also then you include being homeless for a while, losing your parents at a young age, not living with them for many years in that transformative period. Can you share maybe one or two of the most impactful or transformative struggles and ultimately that led to growth?
1: I would say the first one was when I lost my mom and I lost the financial support. And that was very like a pivotal moment for me. I had to learn how to deal with grief at another time and start taking care of myself. And so that taught me a skill set to get out of very difficult positions with very little resource, and I can be very scrappy. I mean, from having a place to stay to nothing and to literally surviving on fifteen hundred dollar a month working at a fall restaurant that's, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> the second would be my postpartum depression journey that also pushed me to taking care of myself now. And growing up in the Vietnamese culture, we always take care of everyone in the family and we rarely think of ourselves or we would feel guilty though if we think of ourselves. And so that was another pivotal moment for me.
0: I know I can relate. I remember I took a break in my professional career and I was 38 at the time. And I remember the disappointment on my mom's face when I said, All right, mom, I'm not gonna work for a while. And she was like, Are you okay? Physic you know, she was like, Physically you had to be somehow disabled that you cannot physically work. I was like, No, I, I just wanna take a break and I wanna reflect. And she goes, Oh my God. And you could just tell the disappointment on her face as she was like, I raised an American child. But I loved a quote you said where you had mentioned, to grow my business I had to grow myself. And it's something that we're not taught because growing up with kind of tiger parents, it's just not something that you could have time to reflect or to think about your own personal journey. For you, you seem to have that after your son. For those who are listening who don't know that hardship, what are some of the tips you have that you can share that when people are in that struggle or that failure moment, how do they get out of it? How do they stay positive? How do you remind yourself that that's actually a good thing potentially?
1: I would say during that time that I am struggling with postpartum depression, the one thing that I realized is that I was a very negative person. And there were a lot of things, of great things that I learned, but there's also a lot of trauma, a lot of generational trauma, but also cultural. I do not want to pass that down to my children. And when I have Anderson in my arms, I was like, no, he's not going to struggle like I did. He's not going to feel shameful that he's not going to college because of circumstance, not because he didn't want to. I almost always felt like I was a black sheep. And cousins and aunties and uncles, like they became very distant. As soon as they realized that I didn't go to school and I marry young and have my kids young. Oh my goodness, that was a thing. And I had practically no family because of that. But yet people forget to realize is that how am I supposed to go to school as an international student and survive and doing all that? So the expectation was just insane. And so I don't want to pass any of that down to my children. And not only that, I firmly believe in order for you to feel like the fulfillment in your life, you have to grow yourself in order to grow your business. Your blind spot is actually the something that's holding you back, is holding your business back. And you might not realize it or you might be comfortable where that is, and that's totally fine. But for me, I, I'm doing it not just for myself, but for my children as well. So it's not, it's more than just growing House of M, it's growing my family too.
0: Beautiful. I love that so much. If you could talk to 15-year-old Anne, what advice would you give her?
1: I would say have faith that God or universe or whoever you want to call it, that force is on your side. So it doesn't really matter how crazy life can get. Have faith that it's going to work out and not get nervous or anxious when you're in it because it's going to be fine. It's going to work out. I wish I'd known that.
0: I love it. Last question. What's next for Anne Wynn
1: Oliver? Continue growing House of M and hopefully headed towards an acquisition in the next few years. And then I would probably do something else. I don't know. (laughs) Growing my family.
0: (laughs) Great. And then for my listeners, I know the vast majority are men, but that doesn't mean that they can't use it either. But for anyone that wants to gift House of M products and serums, We'll have a special discount code for you and we'll incorporate that in the show link notes as well.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Well, Anne, I had a blast in this conversation. Thank you so much for joining.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.